Well, I know many of you have turkeys in the oven, so I don't plan to have a long sermon today. Um, But I have two passages I'd like to invite you to turn to this morning. Uh, The first is from the book of Job, and that's found on page 491. 491 in the Bibles who are in front of you, that are in front of you. And then we'll turn over to Habakkuk 3. And I suppose you'd like the page number to that too. Um, That is on page 935. 935. I thought about testing your Bible knowledge and books, but maybe Thanksgiving isn't the best day to do that. So, uh, Job uh, chapter um, 1, and this morning I'll be reading um, verses 6 through 12. 6 through 12. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, from where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house? And all that he has on every side, you've blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land, but stretch out your hand and touch all that he has. He'll curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Now we'll turn over to Habakkuk. Um, 3, 935, and I'll be reading verses 17 through 19. We've considered this already a few times in this service, but verse 17, though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, though the produce of the olive fail and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, And there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. And there will end the reading of God's word. Well, I remember years ago, there was a um, discussion about all the philanthropy that Hollywood stars were doing for people and showing to people and all the care, the great uh, showcasing of all of their giving to all these great needs uh, in the earth and showcasing it. And all these causes were being celebrated and all these causes were being acknowledged. And I remember um, a commentator uh, in the midst of all this where, uh, you know, we know when these people do these great, give, these great givings and uh, all the causes that they support. A commentator asked the question, is any of this giving truly altruistic? And I, I laughed sitting there thinking, what an interesting comment from, um, you know, a newscaster. Altruism is um, a selfless interest in the well-being of others. Is there really anything that is entirely altruistic, an altruistic act that is done in this life that is not selfish? 
When somebody gives, is there really such a thing as it being purely selfless? Or behind it, is it really about them? That was on, right on the news channel for everyone to kind of wrestle through and think about. I thought about that with regard to Thanksgiving today. I thought about that little question. Uh, is there anything that is truly altruistic? Can we have a response to God that is truly thankful and not just because he's given us so much stuff? That's the question. Could it be real? Can it be true? To really thank the Lord purely. Obviously, we're sinners. And to do something um, of absolute purity of heart uh, in this life because of sin is... But I'm, I'm talking about sincerely. Before the Lord of what is true. Can it be done? Almost every year uh, we come together. Of course, every year we come together. And it's always been, um, at least in my experience, over all these years now of doing Thanksgiving services, it's always been a sort of rehearsing and recounting of all the prosperity and all of the blessing and all the happiness and all the good gifts that the Lord has given to us. And I've often thought, well, what would happen if we came to a Thanksgiving and that wasn't so? I was uh, reading Lincoln's Thanksgiving Day proclamation that he wrote in the midst of the Civil War. And you might look back and think, that must have been an awful time to be in Civil War. Listen to what he says. The year that is drawing towards a close has been filled with the blessings of fruitful fields and healthy skies. To these bounties, which are so constantly enjoyed, that we are prone to forget the source of, from which they come, in the midst of a civil war of unequaled magnitude and severity, which has sometimes seemed to foreign states to invite and to provoke their aggression, peace has been preserved with all nations. Order has been maintained. The laws have been respected and obeyed. And harmony has prevailed everywhere except in the theater of military conflict. What if Lincoln saw our day? Every year I, I preach this service, and um, it just seems like, to me, every year things are just a little bit more scaled back. Every year there's a striking a little bit more at the excess. Every year there's something more that has happened to take it all back a little bit. I mean, all we're talking about right now is record high inflation, right? And they say that this next year could be really rough in this country. I think it's always good to pause and consider that no matter how much blessing we have, there should always be a concern that our thanksgiving is true, that it's sincere, um, and for the right reason. And that led me to the book of Job, and that led me to the book of Habakkuk. We'll start with Habakkuk and weave in Job and come back to Habakkuk. But, but it's, this, it's this emphasis here on certain things that had happened um, to the Lord's people and the challenges that they face, that by the end of it, what we have proven is true thanksgiving. And that struck me. That struck me that no matter how much they were tried and tested, in the prosperity years and in the lean years, they were thankful. And that's what I want to come to. We have a beautiful reason today for true thanksgiving that is shown to us 
the most important reason on top of every other blessing that we've ever received in this life, which are constant and numerous, and we could never even begin, even in the worst of times, to, to really think about all the blessings that we enjoy. But the situation in Habakkuk is interesting to think about. The prophet was sent to, um, to the people of Judah just before this new world power was coming, the Babylonians, that were going to carry Judah off right away into Babylon. And life was going to end as they knew it. All of the, the, the plenty and all of the fullness and all of the, the, the blessing. And the prophet is burdened in this book. He's deeply struggling in this book with the Lord. He's crying out to God because in the midst of all of this, everything seems so dark. The covenant people seem so dead. Listen to how Habakkuk begins. How long, Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. Or cry out to you, violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked, him in the righteous, so that justice is perverted. (laughs) I don't know. That sounds a lot like our day, doesn't it? Here was the problem. It's at least in this different arrangement in the Old Covenant. But, But at least in the Old Covenant, we're noticing here that when the covenant was rejected and among the people, it just didn't seem, after all these calls by the prophets, to tell people to wake up, to listen to the Lord, to consider him, to return and be thankful, it didn't seem like anyone cared. And what he's mainly burdened over is the fact that it seemed like God was doing nothing about any of this. Where is he? What is he doing? This is what he says in verse 1. Oh Lord, how long shall I cry and will you not hear? We cry out violence and you don't save. The wicked surround the righteous and perverse judgment is everywhere. He's deeply wrestling with the Lord because he seems inactive in the midst of all of this. He's really wrestling with the fact that it just seems like in, in everything that's happening in the world, he seems totally inactive as all these horrible things are happening. Why aren't you saving, O Lord? That's what I don't get. And God responds. He says um, to Habakkuk, you watch what I'm going to do. I'm going to work a great work in your days of darkness. I'm going to do something great. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to bring the Chaldeans on you for calamity. And Habakkuk must have said, you're going to do what? What a strange thing to say. The Babylonians will be an instrument to save. Well, all their riches and all their food and all their luxury was soon taken away. And in all the goodness of the Lord and all the blessing, and as his people had become sort of dull to them, Ecclesiastes said, as Ecclesiastes said, it was not the time for gain, but it was the time for loss. 
But now what? How would God's people respond to that? That's my question. It leads me back to my original question at the, at the beginning here. Do, do we have a selfless concern on Thanksgiving? Do we really thank the Lord purely? Can that be done? This was the issue Satan raised with Job. What did God ask? Have you considered my servant Job? Just consider him for a moment, Satan. There's none like him on the earth, a blameless and an upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. Remember what Satan said? Shot right back. Does Job fear you for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him? Around his household? You guys don't even realize the protective mercies of the Lord always around you. Have he, has he not all around on every side you hemmed him in? Listen, have you not blessed the works of his hands and all his possessions have increased in the land? Look at how rich he is. But now, go ahead, stretch out your hand against him. Touch it. You know what he's going to do? He's going to curse you to your face. Here's a question. Is not his devotion to you, is that um, not qualified? Is his thanksgiving really pure? Here's what Satan would say today to God. They've come together on Thanksgiving service. The whole thing's a show and it's a farce. It's not real. You've just given them stuff. You've given him all kinds of stuff. Really, isn't his relationship with you just about the fact, Job's, that you've given him so much? Well, maybe that's true for some. Maybe the depth of some people's prayer is, God, thank you for blessing me with so much. And the extent of that prayer is, I've got good family, I've got good food, I've got a good house, I've got all this stuff. Satan says, is he not serving you because of all that? You filled him with all that. All of his works have been blessed by you. All of his possessions have increased. Oh, he doesn't love you for nothing. Facts, stretch out your hand, touch him. He'll curse. He'll curse you to your face. Is there such a thing as true love for the Lord? (laughs) Is there such a thing as true thanksgiving and love for the Lord? That's the, the sort of heart of the question. Do we not love God for nothing? This man was the greatest man of the East. 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 camels, donkeys, a very large household. In one day, everything was taken. One day a messenger comes. The oxen and the donkeys are all raided. While he's still speaking, another said, Fire burned up your sheep and your servants. While he's still speaking, the Chaldeans, this is interesting in both passages, the Chaldeans killed all your camels and your servants. While he was still speaking, another came. Your sons and your daughters, your family was killed all today, Job. A great wind came and struck the four corners. They're all dead. Then Job rose. 
and he tore his clothes and he shaved his head and he fell to the ground and worshiped. Satan must have been baffled. The Lord had given and the Lord had taken away. What did Job say? Blessed be the name of the Lord. And all this he did not charge God with sin. Satan comes back. Skin for skin. A man, yes, all that a man has, he'll give for his life. Take away his health. Go ahead. Attack his health. Let me do it. He'll curse you. So it happens. He loses his health. Painful boils come over him. He's scraping himself among the ashes with the boils. Does Job fear God for nothing? And what's the heart and center of the book? For I know that my Redeemer lives. And he shall at last stand on the earth. After my skin is destroyed, this I know that in my flesh I shall see God. Whom shall I see for myself? My eyes shall behold and not another how my heart yearns within me. It was a true heart. And the losses of life He saw how much he had that could never be taken from him. Because of the promise of the resurrection. Because of Christ. It would draw out of Job all of this loss the evidence of a truly thankful heart. He was thankful in prosperity and he was thankful in poverty. That's true thanksgiving. And so with Habakkuk, it seems, he seems by the end of the book to have a great transformation. Recognizing in this life we're to live by faith. That's the heart of this book. The just shall live by what? Faith in this life. Waiting on the Lord and trusting him to fulfill his purposes regardless of the circumstances. The difference with Habakkuk from Job is that all the people had become unthankful. And now God was pulling it back. But how does it end? Though the fig tree may not blossom, though there be no fruit on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food, though the flocks may be cut off from the fold and there be no herds in the stalls, yet, this is like Job again, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like the deer's feet. He will make me walk on high hills. Though everything be taken from me. Though no trees have fruit. Though no food comes anymore. Though all the flocks are cut off. It would be a horrifying thing in an agricultural economy. 
I will still be thankful. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The fact is, is that above all this is God's favor upon me. And above all this is that he's forgiven me. And that he's given me his son. And that the Lord God is my strength. And he will give me everything I need to be strengthened in him. But I love him. I love him. And that's not going away. This is the kind of confidence and trust that they would find their strength in him. And if everything else was taken in this life, salvation couldn't be. That's the great issue before us today. Here we gather on Thanksgiving full of abundance. If I passed the mic today like we used to do when I grew up, we would get all kinds of responses. And just like those responses, um, we would get a lot of rehearsing of God's good gifts to us, and rightly so. God has been so good to us. God has filled us with food and gladness. God has cared for us, cared for our bodies. God has provided for us in ways we would never imagine. God has loved us and demonstrate that to us. But God holds everything in his hands. God holds the economies of this earth in his hands. I just um, saw in the news that um, they were complaining because Americans now will be less given to charitable, charitable giving now that everything's being taken from them. Imagine this in our language today. Imagine if we could say, though the food prices reach exorbitant levels, though the economy is destroyed, though retirements are lost, though our health falls to the ground, though we have no money or food, though all gives away, we have the Lord. We have his salvation. That's what he's given to us. What would then be realized is how thankful we are in all circumstances for what's most important. And that's what it means to be thankful in prosperity and thankful in poverty. Many today are generally thankful to God because they have so much. But if it were taken, true thankfulness is seen when we have seen how, understood how God has fulfilled our greatest need. It's not an empty love. It's a true love that's been put in our hearts by his spirit. That loves him because he is the God of our salvation. He's loved us with an everlasting love. Truly, you can't separate his good gifts as from being thankful. But the greatest of all gifts is that he would give. This is what the New Testament celebrates. The overwhelming gift is that he would give his only begotten son to forgive us and cleanse us and make us right with him so that in him we would gain everything. Our outward circumstances don't control the thanksgiving. Ironically, in all these accounts that I just read, these two accounts, what they learned in those accounts was they had everything when they had nothing. One thing I've desired of the Lord, one thing that's been met, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever Psalm 73, whom have I in heaven but you? And there's none upon earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail. Everything may give way. But God is the strength 
of my heart and my portion forever. That's true thanksgiving. That's the thanksgiving that pleases God. Today we can be thankful for many, many things. But if next year at this time we don't have our money and we don't have our jobs, we will still trust him. We will still love him. It's sincere. This is the promise of the new covenant. This is what he's done for us. You are loved by the creator of heaven and earth, and that love is lasting so much so that that's why he gave his son to die for you. Go home today, and as you're around your tables, meditate on how rich you truly are. All things that are Christ's are yours. What do you lack when you know that your Redeemer lives and that one day he's going to stand upon the earth? That's the kind of thanksgiving that pleases God. So though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail and yields and, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like the deer's feet. That's the kind of heart that offers to the Lord true thanksgiving. Let's pray to him and thank him. Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, instructing us today of your goodness to us. Being so united to Christ that nothing can indeed separate us from his love. When that question comes by Satan and says, do we love God for nothing? We can rightly say that it is a sincere and true love by grace because we have everything in your Son. Thank you for the gift of eternal life. Thank you for how you provide for us, how you care for us, how you love us. And may this kind of true thanksgiving be inspired in our lives to be thankful in all circumstances, in prosperity and in poverty, in health and in sickness knowing that everything comes from your fatherly hand. And we are so grateful that your grace cannot be taken. Uphold us today and give us thankful hearts, hearts that please you. In Jesus' name, amen.